0: Welcome everyone. This is a Council of Institutional Investors educational podcast. I'm Jeff Mahoney, General Counsel of CII. Our special guest on this episode is Lawrence B. Siegel, the Gary P. Brinson Director of Research at the CFA Institute Research Foundation. Mr. Siegel is the author of a newly published book entitled Fewer, Richer, Greener. The daily news is often filled with doomsday stories claiming our world is experiencing stagnant economic growth Environmental deterioration, dwindling natural resources, and an unsustainable increase in world population. Mr. Siegel's new book debunks those notions and explains why we will have fewer people than we were expecting, we will be richer, and perhaps most surprisingly, that the planet will be greener. Welcome, Mr. Siegel. Thanks for taking the time to discuss with us your fascinating new book. Well, thank you for having me. So, Mr. Siegel, given your expert insights into prospects for the future of the economy, if you were named today to be the chief investment officer of a U.S. public pension plan, what assets would you have in your portfolio, and what would be your asset allocation?
1: Well, my first piece of advice would be not to take my investment advice. I'm a value (laughs) investor by temperament. And I also am somewhat uh, of a conservative investor by temperament, and in the last 10 years, those strategies have paid off terribly. It is very difficult to time the market, but I decided after the crash of 08, where I got out early and saved myself a huge amount of money, uh, that I could do that, and then I never got back in in any meaningful way. So, the chief investment officers should ignore. my asset allocation timing advice, but I think that I I have some uh, strategic or or, uh, static asset allocation advice. Uh, I would start with a cap-weighted world market portfolio of stocks, bonds, real estate, commodities, and possibly some hedge funds and private equity. You you can look up the neutral weights, which are the cap weights. And I would then underweight bonds because they're in some sort of central bank-driven bubble. Central bankers appear to think that they are responsible for the uh, economic growth of the entire world, but they actually have very little influence over it, because economic growth is driven by technology and demography and good government. And uh, so I don't think bonds are going to do as well as they have in the past. That means overweighting equities, and in particular, I would overweight the equities that seem to be cheap, which are non-U.S. equities and value equities at this time. But as I found out myself, a good deal can become a better deal. And so you have to be a long-term investor for this strategy to pay off.
0: So, Mr. Siegel, Larry Fink, the chairman and CEO of BlackRock, recently sent his annual letter to the CEOs of companies in which BlackRock invests in. In this year's letter, Mr. Fink writes that the investment risks presented by climate change are set to accelerate a significant reallocation of capital which will in turn have a profound impact on the pricing of risk and assets around the world he goes on to say given this blackrock believes that all investors other company stakeholders and the public need a clear picture of how companies are managing sustainability related questions your book has several sections discussing climate change. Tell us about your views on climate change and your reaction to Mr. Fink's letter.
1: Well, climate change is an engineering problem. It's too often regarded as a moral failure for which the human race should be punished. If the human race is punished, it will be the poorest people in the world who get the most punishment and the richest people who will have their standard of living reduced to where it was five or 10 or 15 or 20 years ago, which which was perfectly fine. What we need to do is raise our standard of living, especially in the less developed world, not lower it. That economic growth will enable the world to have the resources needed to address the challenge of climate change. So the poverty strategy is absolutely out of the question as far as I'm concerned. Uh, It will not help the environment one bit and it will hurt the people that it's intended to help. But I don't think Larry Fink is proposing a poverty strategy. All he's really proposing is active management. If he thinks there will be a real allocation of capital, you want to get in ahead of it, not behind it, and profit from that reallocation by investing in companies and countries that are going to uh, go up more than the benchmarks and uh, disinvesting in those that will uh fail or or tend to lag i I think that's all he's saying it's not clear if he thinks that he can improve the environment by selecting investments i I think that's naive and that you can't do that because if you deprive a company of capital because you don't like what they're doing you're just increasing the Prospective return for somebody else will come in and provide the capital. So uh, I'm against environmental investing in the sense of, of divestment from from companies that are doing things that you don't like. I, I don't think that it's a useful strategy and probably will backfire. Let me get back to what I think about climate change, if you'll bear with me for, for two or three minutes. There, there are two parts to the engineering problem limiting carbon emissions and adapting to the climate change that does occur because we don't completely control it. Limiting carbon emissions requires an energy transition, something that has always taken a long time. Human muscle power to animal power, animal power to wood, wood to coal, coal to oil, and now oil to something else, which I think will be primarily nuclear in the future because of the amount of energy that's available. But wind and solar and other sources are important, too. This last transition will take about 50 years, like all the other ones said. It's already started. It's proceeding fairly nicely. The, uh, energy efficiency of the economy is improving at about 1.5% a year globally, which is a huge amount of improvement when you compound it over a long period of time. And there are some ideas in my book about how scientists are hoping to remove carbon from the atmosphere, which is very promising. Adaptation is more important because it's something we can control. Past migrations due to climate include the German invasions of the Roman Empire and the European colonization of the Americas during the little ice age, which was only over about 150 years ago. Many people died along the way and many benefited. This time we have airplanes, weather satellites, and many other ways of limiting the damage from having to migrate if, in fact, we have to migrate. We can build barriers. The Dutch perfected this for their own country 400 years ago because the sea level was rising then, and they called them dikes. We have more sophisticated language for it, but it's the same thing. And we can protect the low-lying cities that way. As I said, it's an engineering problem, not a moral failure of the human race.
0: Mr. Siegel, in chapter four of your book, you discuss the pension dilemma. So what is the pension dilemma in your view, and how is it impacted by the shrinking number of private sector workers that are participants in defined benefit plans?
1: Well, there are two pension dilemmas, and they're actually fairly separate. One is simply the fact that many Americans don't have enough money to retire. They don't have a traditional defined benefit pension plan, so they're responsible for their own retirement savings and they haven't saved enough money. The challenge there is helping them from this point forward because you can't go back in time. And they can do this by working longer, saving more, and investing more wisely, investing uh, in funds with lower costs, so I advocate index funds, and investing in a more efficient portfolio if they haven't already done so the key here though is working longer it's hard to save more you've already budgeted for what you make so each year you work longer you not only get more money but you have one year less of of life to pay for so you get a double benefit and i realize many people simply can't work longer because their jobs are physical and they they may not be able to to come to work but when you can you should. The second pension dilemma is more of an institutional failure and it's the fact that many pension funds and they're mostly public pensions are very underfunded. This is surprising given the great performance of the markets in the last 10 years. The the reasons are not pretty. As interest rates have declined, the sponsors have not made the additional contributions that are required to fund the larger liability, the liability being larger because At low interest rates, you need more money to generate the same cash flow. In in addition, many public plan sponsors have increased benefits out of proportion to what they can afford to pay. And once you've increased the benefit, you can never cut it. Finally, the, the pension promises made by many governments are simply too large because they are trying to save money in the present keep current taxes down and then promise to pay people in the future when the tax will be collected from people who have not yet been born. So this is simply a uh, way of kicking the can down the road that eventually is going to end badly and that this kind of behavior has to stop.
0: Thank you. That concludes this podcast episode. On behalf of the Council of Institutional Investors, I want to thank our special guest, Lawrence B. Siegel, the Gary P. Brinson Director of Research at CFA Institute Research Foundation and author of a new book entitled Fewer, Richer, if you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please feel free to contact me at jeff, J-E-F-F, at C-I-I dot Until next time, I'm Jeff Mahoney. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Voice of Corporate Governance, brought to you by the Council of Institutional Investors. The Voice of Corporate Governance is a free, non-sponsored podcast that highlights critical developments in corporate governance and other important issues affecting institutional investors. The views expressed by those interviewed on the podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of CII or its members. For more information on CII and its policies on corporate governance, please visit our website at www.cii.org.